This summer, Katie and Christine and I are going to be preaching a sermon series about the two tiny books in the Hebrew Bible, Ruth and Jonah. be easy to skip them or ignore them, but they're very important to the witness of the Hebrew Bible. We're calling this series Two Minority Reports in the Hebrew Bible. We'll tell you what we mean by that as we go along. Today our scripture lesson is Ruth chapter 1. It's actually the same passage we looked at last week, so I won't read it again for you. I just want to focus on a couple of verses from Ruth chapter 1. But I will remind you what we learned last week about Naomi and Ruth. Naomi, you will remember, is a 40-year-old Hebrew woman from Bethlehem who has been living the last 10 years in the foreign land of Moab. And during that decade, many beautiful and terrible things have happened to Naomi. Her teenage boys have grown up to become men. They've taken Hebrew, or, or rather Moabite, wives. But also in that decade, Naomi's husband dies, and both of her sons die, and they're not even 30 years old yet. So, with no men or children in the house, Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem, and her daughters-in-law insist on going with her. So, Naomi decides to go back home to Bethlehem, and her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, insist on going with her. But Naomi says, no way. You do not want to be a 24-year-old, childless, widowed, Moabite woman in Bethlehem. They will hate you there. Jews and Moabites hate each other. Now, this is sensible advice for Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law, so she goes back to her Moabite mother. But Ruth, Ruth speaks those ancient, timeless, precious words, where you go, I will go, where you lodge, I will lodge, your people will be my people, and your God, my God, where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. Bam! Exclamation point, argument over. And so Ruth walks with her mother-in-law, Naomi, a hundred miles across the barren desert and crosses an almost impermeable border between Judea and Moabite and lives the rest of her life in this alien land and through some shrewd intrigues that we'll learn about in coming weeks, provides her childless, widowed mother-in-law with a flourishing future. Now, why do we read these precious words between a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law at weddings? We're trying to encourage new husbands and wives to make close relationships with their new in-laws, a famously fraught relationship. That's not why we read these words at wedding. weddings. We read them because we are celebrating at weddings the initiation of an unbreakable lifelong covenant between two people. Because when one person pledges her everlasting troth to another, whether that be mother to daughter or brother to brother or friend to friend or wife to husband, when one person pledges her eternal troth to another, she is giving away life's most precious gift. She is giving away all that she has and all that she is. And we all need at least one person in our lives who will walk a hundred miles with us and penetrate rigid borders for us. Because the days are hard and the nights are long and life can be difficult and lonely, Naomi had nothing, no children, no husband, no food, no job, no visible means of support, but she had Ruth. 
And so if you are married, I hope that person in your life is your spouse. And if you're not, I hope you'll find somebody to walk the way with you and to speak those words to you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. Jonathan Franzen's novel, Crossroads, is about a youth minister named Russ Hildebrandt. Uh, He's a youth minister at a mainline Protestant church in suburban Chicago. Does that ring any bells? This could have been set at Kenilworth Union Church. In fact, there were times reading that novel when I thought Mr. Franzen was reading my mail or had placed a hidden camera in one of our impact meetings. So Russ is a troubled and unhappy youth minister. He's the anti-squire. His children are a mess. He does not love his wife. In fact, at one point in the novel, he says that his marriage is a miserable thing held together by habit and vow and duty. Now that is not a situation devoutly to be wished, but there's something virtuous about a relationship, a lifelong covenant, that's held together by habit and vow and duty, even if it's an unhappy marriage. These lifelong, unbreakable covenants that are so integral to human life. You remember how the hobbits, Merry and Pippin, put it to Frodo in The Lord of the Rings? When Frodo and Samwise Gamgee are about to embark on their harrowing journey across barren wastelands to drop the one ring in the fires of Mordor. Mary says to Frodo, you can trust us to stick with you through thick and thin, Frodo, to the bitter end, and you can trust us to keep your secrets, but you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. That constancy across a lifetime, that sameness across the days and weeks and months and years, and decades and generations. These things are integral to human thriving. Kathy and I had dinner recently with our friends Maria and Scott and Meg and Mike, and we were having a great time. Conversation was lively. We were sharing with each other the books and movies and television shows that we appreciated. And then midway through the evening, someone dropped this provocative conversation starter in the middle of the table she said what is the single finest hour of television you've ever seen provocative question got us all started somebody said that the finest hour of television she's ever seen is an episode of Pamela Adlon's FX show uh, better things about a quirky family of women and men it's a hard question to answer isn't it tv has been so good for so long It's an embarrassment of riches. It's the medium that tells us about our own lives, right? So how would you answer that? What, MASH, Cheers, Band of Brothers, Veep, Seinfeld? It's a hard question to answer, but I thought about this one episode from this quiet, small Netflix show called Derek. I don't know if you watch this, but in the show Derek, Ricky Gervais plays the titular character a 50-year-old mentally challenged man who lives and works in a tiny rest home, tiny nursing home in a small village on the southeast coast of England. In the show Derek, uh, he's not very smart. 
He's all these odd idiosyncrasies and ticks, but he is an Israelite in whom there is no guile, as Jesus might have put it. And everybody at that nursing home strives to be just like Derek because he's so full of kindness and grace. And one of the finest hours of television I've ever seen is an episode of Derek which features a resident at the nursing home called Lizzie. Lizzie is ancient and she has Alzheimer's. Her husband visits her every day even though her memory is deteriorating a little more every day, most days she doesn't even know who he is. To Lizzie, Gerald is just her favorite caretaker. And Gerald says, when Lizzie was 20, she worked in a shoe shop in London. And when I walked in the first time, I thought I'd seen the prettiest thing I've ever seen. And then the next week, when I went in to buy my third pair of shoes... I asked her out, and a year later we were married. She doesn't know me every day, but I live for these visits with Lizzie because she's the same person, and I just introduce myself to her every day again, and we get to know each other all over again. I'm lucky. Who else gets to fall in love 365 times a year. People see these two doddering old fools and caught in a time warp, waiting to die. But I see a beautiful young girl from Dublin who wants to spend the rest of her life with me. I win. You don't have to feel sorry for me or for Lizzie because we live the best life we possibly could because we spent it with each other. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. Ruth is one of the most charming and winsome characters in the long, sprawling history of God with God's people in the Hebrew Bible. Once she fancies you, she refuses to let go. No matter how many husbands die, no matter how many miles she has to walk with you across the desolate desert, no matter how many rigid, thick borders she has to violate in order to be with you, I hope you have somebody in your life like Ruth. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen.